We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Another miserable weekend of Yankees baseball. They lost two out of three to the Mets. Sunday night was just a... To cap it all off, Scott, um, we've said this before, like after the Houston thing when they blew that final game before the All-Star break, this Yankees team, the 2021 Yankees, never get the last laugh. And they didn't get the last laugh last night with the Stanton-Lindor stuff. They didn't get the last laugh in Houston when Chad Green gave up the three-run home run to Altuve. This team routinely gets pantsed. And they got pantsed again on Sunday Night Baseball last night. Hey, Chad Green gave up a home run to, to bring uh, bring it all together. Gave up a home run that ended up being a deciding run of the game. Guy consistently coming in at the end of the game. In a tight game, one run, tie game, and giving up the lead. It's happening over and over and over again. And it just so happened that it was Lindor's third home run after all of the, the hoopla um, in the middle of the game that was stemmed from Saturday. You know what? They won, uh, they won on Saturday. And uh, to be honest, walking into this series, uh, I was talking to some some Mets fans via text message, and I was like, "This is prime opportunity for the Mets to come in and sweep again." They're playing that badly. They're playing the the the, the pitching staff is just absolutely shot to shit. So I didn't really even see the Yankees winning a game. They would have had to slug. They would have had to go you know go go nuts offensively to win a game. And uh, you know, Judge did on Saturday. Judge played amazing on Saturday and actually won them that game, but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was expecting them to to lose all three. To be honest, that's those were my so. expectations walking if, into the weekend. If your expectations are were zero and three, and they went one and two, then I guess they exceeded your expectations. Yeah. But I wouldn't call it a good weekend. Bad weekend. Still a bad weekend of baseball. Another bad weekend of baseball, and they got to turn around. Do you think? That, wait, hold on. You know what's today though? You know what today is? Minnesota. They, <laughs> they play the Twins. So, okay, so every time the Twins come in, it's it's been you know well needed. If the Yankees boy. don't win today against the Minnesota Twins, even after... Who cares uh, if they win today against the Minnesota Twins, though? Because it's a sign. It's a sign. If they don't win sign. today against the Minnesota Twins, we got very serious problems for the Oh, rest we don't have very 19, serious problems. Games. We're sitting here on September 13th, and the Yankees are outside of the playoffs looking in. You don't think we've got problems? Yeah, that's not good. What have they given up? Like, I think they gave up 10 and a half. I think I saw somewhere 10 and a half games. They've given up to Toronto in the last 16 it's almost in the last sixteen days or, or sixteen. Yeah, it's crazy. Almost mathematically impossible. And they've got more games against Toronto on the schedule, and they've got more games against Boston on the schedule. And Tampa, not that that matters. Tampa's just you know, it's just crazy. a good team. It's just Cruising another good team on the division. schedule, though. It's another right, it's good another team good on team. the schedule. And you know damn well if the Yankees need to win like two out of three the last weekend against Tampa, even if Tampa has nothing to play for, they will fucking crush your soul that last weekend of, of the season. They'll do it offensively. They don't even need to like position themselves pitching-wise because everybody can pitch on that team. They'll do it offensively. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So do not do not plan to go into that last weekend of the season needing to win a couple games against Tampa to get into the playoffs because that will not be easy. But I want to start, for all the shit this weekend, I want to start with perhaps the worst play of Gary Sanchez's career. Uh, yeah. When when he the ball beat the runner on Friday night by 15 20, feet, 25 feet. Like it was insane. Th- it's not, this, it wasn't 25 feet, but yes, it was a lot. Whatever it was, it was like 
significantly beat the runner. And he's just lackadaisical trying to tag the guy up high as he's like, the runner doesn't even know what he's trying to do. He's like, do I slide? Do I just run into this tag because I'm out by a mile? And Gary Sanchez tries to tag him up by the neck and and the foot slides in safe and they replay. And and that's a moment. There's been moments with Glaber Torres over the past couple of weeks where he just looks lazy in the field. That's a moment. I know this isn't technically smart managing because you don't pull your starting catcher and then go to your backup catcher because then what happens if there's an injury, then what do you do? But that is a moment like we talked about with the accountability and there's no accountability on this team. That is a moment where Aaron Boone needs to say, Gary, you're done tonight. That is an unacceptable, lazy, bad baseball play. And we cannot win baseball games with lazy, bad baseball play. So you're coming off the field like he should have done with Glaber Torres against uh, against Baltimore when he just took his sweet-ass time trying to field a a routine ground ball. Yank him, sit him on the bench, let let the cards fall where they may. And it didn't matter because the Yankees got stomped anyway on Friday night, but but that was embarrassing. He he caught the ball in a position where he could have made a tag and didn't actually have to move at all. Where he caught the ball, it was a great throw. It was a great throw by Gallo. The he was out by a mile. And and yeah, he he thought that the other guy was going to be lazy and just walk into him. And no, that's not what happened. There was actually a slide, a a manip- he manipulated his body in a way because he realized that Gary Sanchez was not doing anything to make a tag on him and that he could sneak under the under the uh, under the legs and get that foot in. And he did exactly that. It was it was one of it was. I, I tweeted about that af- right after it, saying that it was it was probably the the worst tag attempt I've ever seen in my life because I think that's actually accurate. It was pitiful. It was absolutely pitiful. He got out of the way. I don't know how much of that is he was trying to give him the base path, but it actually doesn't matter if you know the rules at that point. Once the ball is there, you can just tag. You could just you could just do what you need to do. Didn't happen. No, it was terrible. It was really bad. It was really, it was really. And awful. those are the types of plays that this team makes on a regular basis and it's the reason that this team maybe won't make the playoffs and definitely won't win in the playoffs is because they're they're mentally a bad stupid baseball team it's a there's a mentally weak play and they've got a bunch of players on the field that are mentally weak they've got a couple who i think are mentally strong or stronger strong or at strong enough anyway but at, in key spots catcher shortstop mentally weak and that's a huge problem G- uh, going back to Jeter, the week that that was like refreshing in, in this uh, in this nonsense, um, Derek Jeter complimented and gave a lot of credit to uh, Gary Dembo and uh, the other guy whose his name is eluding me right now. As far as player development, and one of the things that he specifically mentioned was drilling fundamentals, making sure that they always went back to fundamentals, making sure that they always did the little things so that they su- they could succeed. Yeah, it was. It's a. It's the Derek Jeter's career. Maybe was defined by the little things. Obviously, he had unbelievable career numbers and championships. But the reason that he was able to achieve those over the long was because he always did the little things right. And when we did that countdown of of the Jeter top five moments, the number one play. What was the number one play? It wasn't a home run. Wasn't a walk off home run. It, it was a defensive play that no one had ever seen before because he did the little thing right and was in the right place at the right time. It, and that's just lacking from this team. And, you know, Joel Sherman wrote uh, an article over the weekend, and I, I tweeted about it. I kind of gave him some shit. Joel Sherman I actually really like and normally will go to him as, as a good source. But he's like, he compared the 2021 Yankees struggling right now to the 2000 Yankees who had one of the worst Septembers of the 90s, 2000s run. They had a terrible September. And they limped into the playoffs and they turned, they flipped the switch, they turned it on, they won a World Series. And he's like, oh, maybe this Yankees team can do that. Are you kidding me, Joel? That team in 2000 was defending back to back World Series champions. They had Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens and Paul O'Neill on that roster. What does this team have? What has this team ever won? They've got one championship. That's actually theirs in Brett Gardner. He was on the 2019. That might as well be another lifetime ago because no one else is on the team anymore. And he was a role player. And they've got a couple of of players that were on the Chicago Cubs. That's what they have as far as winning pedigree in that that locker room, in that clubhouse. And Joel Sherman's comparing the 2021 Yankees to the 2000. Fuck 
out of here with that. I'm done comparing things to the 90s Yankees. We're never going to see that again in our lifetime. That was a once-in-a-generational run that they went on with once-in-generational players like Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. That Maybe they'll win another championship, but they are not going to be the 1990s Yankees. Let's stop thinking they're going to be. I mean, that, that ship has sailed long ago, but the... Uh... <laughs> I thought you were going to mention when you said that they have championships on the team that you were going to go back to like, you know, the Trenton, the Trenton Thunder championship. Oh yeah, right. Or, <laughs> the minor league championships. Yeah, yeah. All the ones that they won together in the minor leagues of the Yankees. But who did that, any of the players on the roster win those? Like I know Clint Frazier yeah, Judge, was on a couple of those teams. No, that, I think it happened when uh, when Judge, Judge was, was already up. called. Didn't they up? Win no, in, Judge was already called. Didn't up? they win in Tampa? It, they, they won, won in, in all three. They won in 2017, the Scranton Championship in 2017. Judge and was not on that roster. They won in the uh, Trenton Thunder, and they won okay. also in Tampa as well. I'm saying so, they came up right. together winning. Greg Bird has a couple of championships underneath there. Ty- yeah, Tyler Wade's got all, all the— Oh, he's yeah, probably, Tyler Wade's he's probably consistent. Got a ring he's case. probably the one consistent guy do they of get all a of ring? the championships. Do you get a minor league ring, or do you just get like a, like a coupon to Dave & Buster's? I don't know what you get. Is Dave & Buster still in business? Yeah, there's speaking one of Tyler I, Wade. I, I speaking saw of, one at the, at the mall. I drove speaking past of, the they, they still have malls. Speaking of Tyler Wade, uh, like that's that's a guy that just hasn't been existent. Start finally, him at shortstop. Just start him at shortstop. Finally, he gets in a game last night, uh, running the bases after DJ gets on in the ninth, uh, being the tying run after the first pitch of the <laughs> Cl- at bat. Classic. I'm it's like, classic Boone. It's like, oh doing? wait, uh, it's like it's like Boone's just like is sitting there looking at the game but not actually watching what's happening in the game and then someone taps him on the shoulder be like hey, do, do you want a pinch run here oh yeah i do want a pinch run here I, uh, 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 t- tyler go in go in tyler this is exactly what happens so the 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 person who's thinking of it whoever that is in the dugout is like he's gonna do it he's gonna do it and then a pitch goes by he's like shit he's not gonna do it i gotta <laughs> say something and then he sends him in that's exactly what happens that's exactly how it goes down right the, everybody in the dugout's like oh manager's gonna do it manager's gonna do it manager's gonna do it it's like clearly DJ's on first, Tyler Wade's on the bench, like, run. We have uh, Diaz, who can't hold anybody on base. Run. and No, 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 you got to wait, waste the pitch first, then go out and do it. How many times has that happened in Boone's Talk about the little things, man. But how many times has that exact thing happened? I feel like we've complained about him not pinch running until there's already a pitch thrown in the at-bat, like, 10 times over the past three years. Yeah, I I don't don't get it. (laughs) Especially in that situation, it's just like... You know, the the most clear, obvious thing to do. You need to tie the game. You have one of the fastest guys on your on your um, bench. Guy who's throwing the ball at the given moment is terrible at holding runners on. People are stealing about uh, on him consistently at a very high clip. And you have a guy on first base with less than two outs. It's like there's there's no other reason for Tyler Wade to be sitting on the bench. Yeah, it's just, it's another one of those chalk up to, to Aaron Boone just not not being in a moment. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And the game moves too fast for him. Like, like again, to talk about Derek Jeter, everyone said the game slows down for Derek Jeter. That's why in the playoffs, he was always nails. The game speeds up for some guys. Maybe it sped up for A-Rod. And then A-Rod was one of the most talented baseball players in history. But when it came time to playoff time, game sped up for him. And he choked quite often. And... For Aaron Boone, sitting in the dugout, managing, the game speeds up for him. And <laughs> then you pinch run when it's already a, a pitch thrown in the at-bat. I want to talk about uh, Glaber and, and Wade, because like you, you brought up Tyler Wade. And I don't see a reason at this point. I know they sent down Velasquez to call up Clark Schmidt. I don't see any point to starting Glaber Torres anymore. No, he hit a home run last night. I don't care. I tweeted out, he's got a 660 OPS, which is awful. And he's perhaps the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. What is the point to playing him at this point? He does nothing to help you win. Well, I mean, he did hit a home run last night, like you said. So the the offensively, he hasn't been as bad as you know we've uh, over the last thirty days. Just I was looking at some numbers because I was one as curious as to where he was because it really feels bad, right? Like the vibe is it feels bad because he's bad defensively. He's been booting balls left and right. Last night he had another easy ground ball. It was like a Sunday hop into your glove and he booted it. Um, people were like, it was a bad bounce. It wasn't a bad bounce. It was a Sunday hop that literally was like right into the right into the bread basket. Would have should have been a very easy play. Bad and bounce. He's a major league baseball player. Field the ball. Either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it was it was actually an easy bounce that was just bad. Um, 
but no, the power hasn't been there. I mean, the last last thirty games, he's got four home runs. But overall, when you look at what he's but been doing, those since thirty he's come games back, are were before he was injured. So look at you're right. Since his last injury. seven and last fifteen, he's still he's hitting, he's getting on base, but there's no power. There's there's no power. So I think I he's not he's not giving last... much more than Tyler Wade. In fact, if you run the numbers, Tyler Wade's probably offensively playing better. I don't care if Tyler Wade is not performing. He can field the ball at shortstop. He can field the ball at shortstop. I pulled numbers from Glaber Torres, I think, for the last episode. When did he return? I mean, it's not a huge sample. He returned on uh, September 3rd is when he returned from injury. Okay, I'm going to get his numbers from September 3rd. And the other, the other thing about the defensive problems is that they they consistently lead to other issues as the, as defensive problems do. They They are extra outs. Yesterday, Glaber boots a ball. Next batter, or a couple batters later, I forget if it was the next batter or the one after. It was two no, later. Lindor hits. It was two later because Lindor hit. A, it was a three-run home run. Three Lindor run hits run, a yeah. hits a, a a shot. What does that do? It adds more pitches to Clark Schmidt, who I actually thought pitched decently. Uh, you know, take away that that home run, and he pitched better than he had. And you know, take away a home run, take away a three-run home run. Yeah, okay. I'm saying you scrub some of that stuff. You give I him know the, it was an the, error, the, but the, like the situation differently. He, I don't think he executed all that bad. It was a bad pitch and Lindor destroyed it. But um, overall, I thought he was like better. Again, expectations are pretty low at this point for certain, for certain things. So actually um, working back from injury. Like I'm not gonna, he also didn't give him any chance to succeed when you do that. There are two balls booted over there. Geo booted another ball to the left side. So not Schmidt didn't, nobody helped him out. Can, again, we said this on Friday fives, Gio Rochella injured. Clearly injured, not healthy. Take him off the field, play Odor at third base. Glaber Torres does not do enough to help you win. Play Velasquez or Tyler Wade at shortstop. That is what this team needs to do right now. Gio Urshela, so Tyler Wade replaced for defense on Saturday. Gio, not Glaber. That tells me Gio's not healthy. Because if all things are equal and Gio is healthy, he doesn't get replaced for defense. Right? No. no. In fact, he's in, in on occasion slides over. And if there was somebody available to play third base, he would slide over to short. So what more evidence to. do we need that I don't think Gio is healthy? He does not look healthy. He's making these plays in the field that he's just not characteristically making. He doesn't these are uncharacteristic plays that he looks uh he looks off for sure. Like his legs aren't there, he's not getting in position. There's there's something going on with him. There's no doubt. So it, it's and some he's not kind of hitting. He looks terrible at and the plate. So yeah. since since Glaber's return from injury, he is, has seven hits and 31 plate appearances, 233 batting average. He has the one home run, which was last night. He did have a decent weekend offensively. He had four hits this weekend. But again, I, I'm not Glaber's offense has been a gigantic disappointment. We know, but I'm just saying. This team needs something steady at shortstop, the most important infield position. Yes, you and can't mess around. Steady. You can't mess around with shortstop. You cannot mess around with shortstop. And and absolutely, he you need someone out there who could play. This is why there it's are so many defensive. This it's is why there are so many defensive shortstops in the league that that have jobs that are not starting, uh, starting position players. Because it's the most important, the most important position on the infield. You need to have someone solid up the middle, and if you don't. Uh, you're in big trouble. And that's exactly what happened last night. And a three-run shot was the result of it. You know, whether whether you want... Clark Schmidt threw the, threw the pitch, hung a knuckle curve or whatever it was over the middle of the plate, no doubt about it. Bad pitch, but should not have been in a position to even throw that pitch. It's a demor- It's demoralizing to your pitching staff and to your team the mistakes that Glaber makes in the field. Last night, like you said, routine ground ball to shortstop. Clark Schmidt's thinking, I got a routine ground ball to shortstop booted. Last weekend against Baltimore, uh, Abreu, I got a routine ground ball to sec to a uh, shortstop. What does Glaber Torres do? Takes a sweet ass time, and the runner's safe. That should, even if it shouldn't affect you mentally as a pitcher, it. How could it not? I got an easy ground ball, and my shortstop can't field it. You're just mentally thinking that you're on to the next one with with an out. Like in your head, as soon as that ground ball is gone, you're like, okay, great, did my job. On to the next one. Let's go. And and then now uh, you have to re- like reset yourself to. Um, to now because posi- not only that, now you're pitching, you know, from the stretch, you're you're doing a very different thing. Like there's a lot of things that change when there's a runner on first base. Who is going to oppose to Glaber just sitting the bench the rest of the year? Like nobody. Uh, uh, no, uh, like you're talking about the fan base? Nobody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fan base. Uh, so oh, it's just you know, and uh, we 
Do you want to talk about Judge next? Or do you want to talk about the Stanton Lindor stuff? Well, Judge, I think well, we have to talk address what Judge what happened with Judge. We don't know what happened with Judge. Yeah, it dizziness. looked like he had a hair in his eye, some dirt in his eye, something in you know they stopped the game. Um, he definitely had something going on, and it took a long time. Like he was talking to them for a while, so maybe it wasn't something in his eye in that very moment. Uh, he just thought it was, and it was just like. Yeah, cloudy or whatnot, but he left the game a little bit later dizziness. because of That's dizziness. Scary, not great, not good. Yeah, like what's going so, on there? Like he obviously had a huge game on on Saturday, and he made the diving catch. I don't know. Did he hit his head when he made that diving no. catch? Okay, no, no I, I know. I'm saying like I know he dove, so like there's some some bounce or whatever. Um, it yeah. very well could have literally been something in his eye or or some weird thing that just like wouldn't go away and. And, uh, you know, label it know. dizziness. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens today. If he's in the lineup, then much ado about nothing. But he just said dizziness be. after the game. And yeah. he did address the team after the Toronto loss. And it didn't, you know, did it do anything? I don't know. It, it's tough to say. Immediately, they went out and got stomped by the Mets on Friday night. So the immediate result wasn't good. But he did then put the team on his back on Saturday to back up his, quote, leadership. Um, but... Uh, like I said at the top of the show, this team just doesn't get the last laugh. They continue to get embarrassed. And the stuff with Lindor last night, so the situation, if you're unaware, is that the Mets were mad on Saturday that they thought the Yankees were whistling from the dugout, which was relaying signs to the hitters. And they thought Taiwan Walker was a victim of tip pitching slash whistling in that inning that he gave up the three home runs. And you know what? The only one that is a little suspicious was the Higgy home run. Like that, that's a tough pitch to hit. And he was all over a fastball at his neck. Okay. I'm not saying they were or weren't stealing signs, but that's the only one that was a little suspicious. He hung a pitch to, to judge and he hit it, hit it to the freaking moon. But uh, then, so when Lindor hits the home runs on Sunday, he does whistling gestures as he's rounding the bases. Obviously, the Yankees were pissed about that. Stanton then hits the home run and he, chirps at Lindor rounding the bases bench is clear and it's a whole big thing bench is clear is very very liberal way to say they walk as out long as if players are on the field benches are cleared okay as far as I'm concerned <laughs> and you're how about, thinking, all, how about all the pictures of of like uh uh for the 9-11 ceremony and all the you know all of the togetherness and, and unitedness of Saturday and then uh, pictures of them <laughs> jawing and fighting each other on Sunday. It's just kind of well, you know what? The benches had to clear for them to unite on on the nine eleven. Well, there you go too. So, but of course, Lindor gets the last laugh off. Chad Green hits the home run. That's the game winning home run. Chirping as he rounds the bases. Yeah, that's what so, happens. When you chirp, you got to win. Bottom line. Well, chirp like like whistle or chirp as in talk, because. Let me ask you a question. This is the, there's a very fine line here and some gray area. And I actually, I will, I, I have to give credit where credit is due, as I did with Aaron Boone in the, in the three opportunities I, I had this year um, after the, the trade deadline when they were just on a scorched earth thing. It actually had nothing to do with it. Um, A-Rod was actually not that bad last night, I thought, which is saying something because he's always Hold just on. usually very he's much a giant. Me. He's a diehard Mets. Yeah, I, yeah, you, you, you're, flagging this as if it was the first time he said this like he does talk about this consistently we all know he's a Mets fan we all know he grew up with the Mets makes a lot of sense now he I thought was making some value. he was shitting all over um like the new wave of, of hitting in baseball with uh you know making more contact he was saying that Paul O'Neill wouldn't be a player that the Yankees would be interested in anymore because he makes too much contact I thought that was a gold quote I thought he was doing a very good job at shitting all over um, the the way that the uh, that baseball is approached swing uh, home run or nothing, and I thought it was entertaining. So maybe it's just because I, he was on my agenda points, and I thought it was interesting. And, and there's it's rarely that we're on the same Hold page. On. Did you so. email? Did you email him the agenda points before the game? No. And then he read them. Yeah, from from the the script. No, but uh, the fine line is is the tipping pitches, right? Because obviously, what the Astros did a couple years back, and uh, you know. What is okay in baseball? There are the the unwritten rules that we all talk about that some people get nauseated about, but they they exist, and they've been less enforced, I think, over the years, just because people aren't pitching inside as much. There's not less policing, is seemingly on the field itself. But tipping pitches has been part of the game, and looking for uh, tells 
has been part of the game forever, and it will always be part of the game. It's a matter of how you relay it to your teammates. And going back to what A-Rod was talking about on the broadcast last night, if there's a guy on second base or there's there's motions, hand signals, and you're telling it, like all of that is kosher, non-kosher noises, things coming from the dugout, whistling, things like that. Um, non-kosher for, uh, as far as the the um, on-the-field way of handling said tips. So whether they whether he was tipping his pitches or not, uh, whether the Yankees were whistling or not, they say they weren't. Apparently, it was Wandy Peralta no, just firing yeah, everybody they up. They threw Wandy under the bus. Stanton throws him under the bus. Oh, I think it was Wandy Peralta who was whistling. <laughs> Gallo Wandy. talked about Wandy. They well, talked about well, they talked about Wandy because he's guy. loud. No, they yeah, talked about he's the fall guy. He's just loud in the dugout, and it pisses fall them guy. off, and he just gets under their skin. And right. and Gallo said it hurts his ears, and like all right. of these things. It sounded like very much like okay, here's the story, guys. Let's Wandy was pitching. He was also in the dugout at this time. So let's just let's just go with this. He does whistle. Um, or he was the guy that was probably whistling because he could do it the loudest. We knew Surprised that. Surprised they didn't call it, call it uh, on Tyler Wade. Like, yeah, Tyler Wade. He, you know, he he he's a party boy. He's used to making some noise. Well, Wandy gave up the home run, so it made a lot of sense if that were the case. And if that were the case, because he they knew it was him. You know, if Lindor hit the home run off of Wandy, was doing it as he was running the bases, knew that Wandy was the one whistling. That does make sense. That checks. It's just a matter of why he was whistling, or right. if the whistling was intentional. That's more to the point because I think. Wandy probably was the guy whistling. If that is what I mean, the said, narrative, but. the narrative doesn't look good for the Yankees. They score five runs, three home runs off of Walker, and then he retires sixteen in a row. Yo, I have, I have very mixed feelings. I actually don't have that many mixed feelings about this, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. the The whole whistling and the the on the field between the lines stuff, I, I, I get it. I understand it. But I'm also a big believer of policing it between the lines. If somebody does something within the rules, then you should police it on the lines, and and you should have something to say about it. And they did the next night. But you know what? Taiwan Walker's tipping his pitches. Yankees picked up on the tipping his pitches. They took advantage of it. There's no camera out there. There's no guy out there. There's no spotter. That's not happening. They picked it up from the dugout and they and they told their guys that this was happening. But here's the thing. And and they took advantage of it. But if they pick something up, you're right. But then how and why are they relaying it from the dugout? If they pick something up, then they just have to tell the hitter, oh, his glove dips when he's going to throw an off-speed pitch. So just look for that. doesn't need to whistle every single time from the dugout. The only time you signal from the dugout is when you're getting something the batter can't see, like with Houston. That's a good point. So if you're whistling from the dugout then and they haven't given the actual tell on why something is happening, then yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong there. So they're... There could be some some muddiness of how that happened if that is the case. Um, but they were in an opposing ballpark. Were re- yeah, I don't think they were relaying information. I don't think Wandy Peralta was relaying information about Walker's tipping. If he so, then tipping. what do you think? Then, then you think all of the the post game comments being were annoying. bullshit? No, then, I, no, no, no. I don't think. I mean, yes, he was whistling. Okay, but I don't think he was. He probably was not whistling to steal signs because. Again, like you said, how would they have stolen the sun? I mean, I guess I, you can't put it past them to have technology that is now, like that now Major League Baseball to know about, but like they don't know. They're in the have, opposing ballpark. They're not but in they no ballpark. Longer, but they no longer have access to the replay room like they used to. Yeah. So it would have to be from the someone. Old, the old Ty Cobb telescope from uh, another building? Or it would literally have to be from someone outside of the clubhouse being like, hey, we figured this out, gets the information into the clubhouse, but then why is Wandy Peralta the one doing it? It's just hand, hand signals from the bullpen. Although I'm not going to put it past because like, who who would have thought that the Astros were slamming trash cans and look what they were doing. So yeah, I'm not going to put it past anyone to cheat, especially Major League Baseball players because they're a bunch of fucking cheaters. However, he was whistling. The Mets were mad about it. That's why they Lindor, came out there, addressed it. They they did. They, there was a, um, a a visit to the mound that was clearly about something that was happening yep. in, in the moment. And then he shut the and Yankees then he shut down. them down. Yeah. Yep. So maybe he was tipping, and the batters were figuring it out, and that's why they hit the three home runs. And then he shut them down. So here's well, here's the thing. Here's a scenario that could happen. And I, I want to lay it out a little bit because people are like immediately go to the cheating thing. Clearly, you're like, obviously, we're conditioned for that now with what the 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 Astros have done to us. Um, when I say us, I mean baseball and baseball fans. But 
if you have a guy that's out there getting rattled, getting uh, tipping his pitches, and 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 the Yankees know what it is, then you have another guy who's just whistling his ass off, just being freaking that's annoying, stupid. just trying to be distracting, 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 because we know that he's tipping his pitches, so we don't want that to stop. We want, no. we want. That's going to make birdie, it stop. That's going to make it stop. Look at the birdie. It, I mean, they they scored five runs. They scored five runs on him. So they, okay, they if you figure out someone's stop. tell in poker. You don't tell them you figured out his tell. Or you be as obvious as possible where they think you think you know and now you're playing mind games and no. he gave up five home runs or five runs, three home runs. Right, in, in you it. let so him continue worked. to pitch the same way so you can continue to hit him. You don't start whistling from the dugout, which is obviously going to get the opposing team's attention and then they're going to say, what's going on? Why are they whistling? Yeah, maybe, or maybe you think that when he goes back into the dugout, they're gonna they're gonna rectify the situation anyway. Let's get as much as we can. I'm just throwing shit out there because clearly they were trying to be distracting, and it was working. If they were not tipping pitches, I'm sorry, if they were not signaling pitches back to the batter uh, with a whistle. But no one will ever admit that in a million years ever because they know it's against the written rules. Why do you think this team never gets the last laugh? Because they're not. You think it's coincidence? They're not good at executing. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, that's probably what it comes down to. <laughs> that's it's a, just, Chad Green no, no, has given no, up like, how many home runs at the end of the game? How many, how many, what's his win? I mean, we don't look look at win-loss uh, records for starting pitchers, but when you look at it for a relief pitcher that consistently comes in, in the, from the seventh inning and on, and you have a, a losses, I don't care about wins, pro, but you have losses. Bon- high-profile blown saves, too. Yes, you're probably right. It's lack of execution that ultimately is the reason. But you'd think eventually one of these is going to go the Yankees' way. Even if you don't execute, you'll get lucky once or twice. And they haven't been lucky. And it's, yes, lack of execution. I also think they're a mentally soft team. I also think that we're conveniently, I mean, you're looking at these moments that are convenient. They've had triple plays in the past. They've had, they did sweep Toronto uh, at Toronto when they did. I'm talking about key moments. I'm talking about key moments. Mm-hmm. Right, that could be that that are like last night with Lindor and Stanton, or like in Houston when Aaron Judge mocks Jose Altuve. Right, I'm talking about these types of key moments that they fail after these moments happen. I'm not talking about just turning triple plays or coming back or winning thirteen in a row. I'm talking about key fire your team up moments, turning potentially turning point moments. I mean, you're, you're, we're calling them turning point moments, though. Like it, when you when you look at what happens. So the Yankees. I don't know if this includes last um, this past weekend. I actually don't think it does. But 61 games around there, okay, that have been decided by two runs or less, tied for the most. And I think the Mets are up there as well um, for this. Um, but they're 39 and 22 in those games. 19 and 11 in one run games. So I could argue the complete opposite. When you're looking at, you're just talking about high profile, like like uh, vo- people that are being uh, emotional moments, emotional, emotional mo- like moments, more, more easily covered ones that are like, because of the Astros, because it's those the, are important. The, the field of the field of dreams game is another example where it's, it's a nationally televised game. All eyes on that game. It's a unique situation. They actually come back and take the lead only to have their freaking now injured closer blow it. Yes. I know that they are not good. I will say this. This is a, a, sometimes I think where the eye test though comes back and makes it a feel worse than than um, than it actually is in the grand scheme of things. Because when you look at their record in tight games, it's good. So they are executing in a lot of ways in tight games. Yeah, I, but I'm not talking about just tight games though. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, and you can't describe it. You can't put your pin on it because I it's just emotional, emotional moments. Thing. Uh, I understand emotional that, but it doesn't, that doesn't show up in any book. Doesn't show up in any scorecard. Doesn't show up in anything. It's just no, it's one of those. But like, it can foreshadow what's things. to come for this team. Yeah, pressure. So it's a it's a pressure situation, if you will. Yeah, pressure. But I situations. could also argue that two run games, pressure situations. How many of those two elevated. run games? How many of those two run games were against shit opponents? Also, I feel like a lot of those games happened in May when the starting pitching every night was like eight innings, no runs. Remember that? And the offense, the offense was just also bad, but they were winning games two to one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it's it's just a, it was just another, in my opinion, disastrous weekend, even though they exceeded your expectations and actually won a game. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the, the because the weekend was one thing, the weekend of baseball was one thing, but also it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And the fact that they had, they scheduled the Yankees and Mets to play on 9-11. I don't know if I realized it right away what they were doing when the schedule came out. Uh, but I think it was like, they couldn't have planned this any better. And I think the ceremony that they did before the game on Saturday, and then all of the interviews that they did during the game, the flashbacks, everything was tasteful, emotional, and well done. And I'm not saying it's, it's hard to do, but at the same time, it is an extremely difficult situation because you're playing a baseball game while still honoring the victims and the heroes of 9-11. And, and they just did it really well. And like they were talking about how like Mike Piazza, ha- I thought, gave a, a candid interview where he was like, we didn't know, like when we came back after our 10-day layoff to play in 2001, we were like, what are we doing here? And then the game started and they're like, oh yes, this is why we're supposed to be here. It takes everyone's mind off of it and it takes our mind off of it even if it's for two and a half, three and a half hours. And I think that's the that was that's how sports can play a role in tragedies like this. Yes, we understand sports are silly. But sometimes you just need to have a silly time for a half for a couple hours. Yeah, it's a distraction, definitely. And I, I agree. I think they I think they did uh did it well. I love the the fact that they were wearing the um the the hats for FDNY you know, and the New York police fire trucks hats. and the uh, yeah the, the stations and the uh, uh, the police they even had um, during the Jets game Matt Rule on the other side who from New York uh, coach of the uh, the Panthers was wearing an FDNY hat as well so you know they they bringing those bringing the fan bases together in one place obviously for this that affected you know everybody um, you know so so much in New York was uh, was was just it was it was cool to have everybody in in one place. It didn't matter who you were rooting for at that moment. You know, clearly the the Mets and the Yankees were on the field together as well. Uh, fan base is the same thing. It just you know in that moment you, it doesn't matter. It just and and yeah, you're right. Baseball is a distraction. Baseball is something that we all enjoy watching. It gets us frustrated. It gets us fired up. But it also is something where when you're watching it, you're just emotionally in that moment throughout the time. Especially you know New Yorkers are higher emotion people. I think uh, I think the, the the New York fan base high emotion people, um, you know, maybe we're biased, but I'd say probably a little bit more than, than, uh, a lot of other fan bases and you just get, you can get lost in that moment, which is a good thing. So, and the game was a really exciting game. I mean, so was Saturday, so was Sundays, but the Yankees Sunday won was the a sa- fun game to watch. <laughs> they won the Saturday game. It was a fun back and forth game right down to the end. Chapman again, makes it scary. Um, even if it was a couple things, not his fault, like the Pilar strikeout and then Higgy with the with hell the of nice- a play. But that's a play. If Pilar just runs immediately, he probably is safe. And then that whole inning is differently. So kind of caught a break there that Pilar didn't realize it was a pass ball. Um, but I mean, the play, when you look at it from the angle behind first base down the line. Oh yeah, real tough play. <laughs> tough play to get that across the body. Pretty much blind, essentially. Just, you know, Rizzo being in the right spot as well. Yeah. Does does Voigt stand on the inside of the, of the bat? <laughs> does Gary make that play? I mean, it's like <laughs> so many what ifs. Yeah, so it was it was uh, an emotional. You said you were watching nine eleven stuff all weekend. I mean, yeah. it was hard not to. Every single channel had it, even if because it does get heavy. You watch it for an hour, and it's just like, oh man. I, I I mean, when I when it first came the first weekend when the weekend first came into it, I I was like, I, I'm I'm not going to watch this stuff. I do it on a 
I do it, uh, you know, during this time over the years. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a magnet. It draws me back to it. I feel like I, I almost have to watch some of it to almost like put myself back in that. I feel like to my, I owe it to myself to put myself back in there. It's like a weird thing, but the, uh, it's, very, it's, it's, it's still one of those days, man. That's just like very, very hard to, uh, to process even 20 years later, you, you know, going back through, uh, all the emotions of that day, not knowing where your family members are un- understanding. It's just, it's just, you're crazy. in college, right? I was in, yeah, I was in college. I was, uh, I remember waking up with my roommate and we were just like glued and I was trying to get a hold of my sister who was working in the city at the time, couldn't get a hold of her uh, because all the phone lines were, you know, the cell phone towers at that point were just like jammed up. Nobody could get through to anybody. Um, so it was just, just put yourself back in there and you can, I, I can feel like in the, in my gut again. Uh, and it's just a, it's a horrible feeling, but for whatever reason, it's like, I, I got to go back there, uh, you know, when that happens as well. I, I do I do that as well. I did a little bit. There's this new documentary that Hulu um, is on Hulu, and then I, I think every single done. one of these streaming platforms has a new documentary about 9/11. No, I, I I I don't know exactly who put it together. It might be PBS or something. It's called I think it's called One Day in America. And I watched the first episode, and I just could not watch any more of it because it's sort of like unseen footage and untold stories of people who were who were there, and just, it's so fucking tragic. Um, so if you're if you want to go watch it, like it was a good documentary. It's a multi-episode thing. I just watched the first one and I was just like, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I just, it's just like, it's way, it's way too emotional uh, sometimes. But again, I thought it was the right amount of emotion on Saturday and also some positivity that they talked about, which I think is important. And it's like how the country came together and how the baseball players at the time were able to help some first responders and some people that needed some time just with a distraction or a little bit of help or whatever it was. So like those positive stories are also good to hear. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on, on the, on the ceremony. Got a couple mailbag questions before we wrap it up. You ready? Let's do it. Jeffrey Demarius, he DM'd me this. He said, I wanted to drop by with a quick thought. This team doesn't operate well with its normal roster and has not for years. In 2019, they were the best when it was next man up, and they battled and did the little things, then hit a crap ton of homers, no doubt, but they did other things to win. This year, they are mediocre and inconsistent when the regular players are in, but when COVID hit them, then injuries, they uh, they changed, became more dynamic. And he just goes on to talk about um, how when when, um, Glaber and Geo came back, it seemed like this team change mentalities. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, yeah, this is what we talked about last game. This is why, this is why, you know, having Glaber and Gio in there, Gio, uh, you know, not, not seemingly healthy Glaber, just booting balls. The dynamic of the team changed too, because they stopped doing the things that were working for them, moving, hitting and running. Who do you, who's, what's the blame there though? Is that kind that's, of that's ca- a, it's a manager? It's well, a manager, managerial but decision. Also, also, isn't it kind of Cashman to blame? Because no, well, hold on, Cashman let me finish. Let me finish. As you said, it's a managerial decision, but at the same time, what if the starting roster of players are not good at doing those things? Right. So the the rot the thing that helps you win, hitting and running, stealing bases playing aggressive, playing good defense, putting bat on ball. All those things helped them win 13 games in a row. Then they got some guys back. Voigt starts going in the lineup more. Glaber and Geo come back. And they don't do those things anymore. Maybe it's partially a managerial decision, but it's partially these players that Brian Cashman put on this roster to start don't do those things, can't do those things. So it's like at a certain point, you're right. Boone's a moron. And he's an idiot, and he doesn't pinch, doesn't do simple things like pinch run on a zero zero count instead of a, instead of a zero an o one count. But also, you can only do what you what the players on the field are capable of doing. Same thing with the bullpen. Yeah, the, the manager's going to look the, real stupid when he brings in everyone and everyone blows the game. You can't win with a bad. No matter how good of a the, manager you are, you can't win with a bad bullpen. The bullpen. Totally different point. Totally different point. The bullpen is, is is in shambles. You can't blame Boom for anything that happens out there anymore. I've just I'm done with that. The, the players are not there. They're, they don't have um, the the bullets that they need. The the roster 
uh, when it comes to position players, yes, you can change that. You can effectively change that. As you we can have start said for the, the past, other guys, like we well, said. Yeah, as we have said for the past couple, starting lineups out the window. Doesn't matter. Starting lineups don't matter right now. You got to win games. Emotions, gone. Doesn't matter. No loyalty at this point. You just got to win ball games. You're a game out of the wild card now. You're not in the playoffs. Change something up. He doesn't, he doesn't have the pulse of the team. The, I mean, he's, he's said to be the, the player's manager. He doesn't have the pulse of the team where he can effectively do something to get the guys going, to get something, just shake it up a little bit differently, change the lineup. You know, we, we've, we've seen Girardi would do that. Tori would do that occasionally and change up a, a, a particular lineup just to get something different out there. If, even if it doesn't work, it's different. It's not the same thing. It's not the insanity definition going back out there and banging your head against the wall. Change it up. Get rid of a different guy. I understand when Velasquez goes down, that's not something that anybody wants to see because he's an emotional guy. He's uh, He brings some fire to but it. But no one thinks Andrew Velasquez is the actual answer. No, but the thing is, is like you, he, they need as many pitchers on their roster as they humanly can. Andrew Heaney Mark Smith's just going to get sent back down, okay? Velasquez will be back. Everyone chill the fuck out. Right, but they they need as many arms as possible on a given day. So I get what's happening there. It's just that he's not able to go in and effectively change anything to try to get something going. And when this team was winning, they were doing different things. They were not playing the same way that this team was, quote, built to win. Because it doesn't, it was built wrong. So it's an indictment on the manager and on the general manager. It's an indictment on, yes, fine. But right now, the general manager, the the, the players are out there. The the players are out there. Do what you will. This is a managerial decision. Continuing with the Boone discussion, Lee Jones, our, our buddy from Liverpool, England, sent in a question. He wants to know if the Yankees will make a move at manager for, quote, the new manager bounce. I guess that is a soccer term or a football term where teams change manager and it actually had the team rebounds. It has little to do with the actual change that was made and more just that that guy's gone. Someone new is in. Let's go, baby. If they were going to do that, that needed to happen in July, not September. Middle. Well, it can't happen now. I think he's is he more speaking to like the off season as, as a, uh, I think that's probably what he's. Yeah, but no, the, those, those things don't work in the off season. Those things only work in season. The, uh, yeah, uh, they had to have done it earlier. Again, you bring you bring a totally different type of person in, someone that's you know maybe a little bit more old school, a little fired up. I keep saying Willie Randolph because that's who I wanted in. It was never going to happen. I understand that, but uh, one can dream. Just you know, a baseball guy. Just bring in a baseball guy that has a little bit of a different thing. He's young at heart. Bring him in. All right. So at this stage, we're we're on it's September thirteenth. The Yankees are about to play the final two weeks of the season. They're going to make the playoffs or not? I have no idea. I, I, it would not surprise me if they missed the playoffs at this point. The way that Toronto is playing, and I know they can't play like this forever. Maybe Toronto is is playing like this, you know, two weeks too early, and they did find you see a cold what they streak. did to Baltimore this weekend. Yeah, twenty two runs annihilated them. No, but did you see the how they game. how they did it uh, in that doubleheader? Okay, I think it was Saturday doubleheader. They were losing by five runs and ended yes. up coming back and winning. And then in the in the second game, they were being no hit into the seventh inning. Which was the final inning? They scored eleven runs in the seventh inning. <laughs> it's yeah, they're. I know it's team. Baltimore, but the thing is, they play. I said Baltimore and Minnesota so many times down the stretch. Yes. So they're going to keep hitting. They're going to keep hitting, and they're going to they're going to win games. That's so unless they fall into a, uh, a an elongated cold streak, I, they're going to be tough to to sur- to to surmount really. And then you look at Boston, and I'm telling you, I got to look. I got to. Oakland and Seattle are in the rearview mirror. They're not far off. Two games now, two games away from the Yankees. They're they're right there. So you you have to play baseball well enough to not only beat either the Blue Jays or the Red Sox, but you also have to play more than two games better of the Mariners and the Oakland Athletics, who are also on your ass. And the way that this pitching staff is, like to me, that's the thing. The pitching staff is not getting any better. It's not there. I know Garrett Cole the, the is supposed to start on Tuesday. The bullpen is an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. Every night, it's a crapshoot if the bullpen is going to get it done. You can't win games consistently. They have like too many that. guys out. Loisica was such a dagger uh, in, in that yes. moment. Chad he was Green their best pitch. relief pitcher. They and lost Chad their Green best relief pitcher. Can't pitch. Chad Green cannot pitch at the end of a game that's close. He gives up Neither one Neither can Chapman. Time. 
I mean, at least he he makes it. He's not giving up as many home runs as, okay. as Chad Green is, for God's sakes. What's yes, your confidence level in a save situation with Chapman? You know, 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe um, 60% as he Final question, more. and we're going to wrap it up. Give me a quick gut answer. Does the Yankees making the playoffs dictate whether Aaron Boone returns as manager next year? My gut reaction and what's going to happen? No, it should not. No, no. No. So I have to wait, say no because they no, get into the playoffs not. or not get into the playoffs. He's gone either way. The, I guess the only way he saves his job is they win the pennant. Yeah, sure. But even then, you should not going to happen. No, there would be a lot of luck that would have, that would go into that as well. Like I don't know, you, they, the offense would have to go scorched earth, like I've talked about. Like that's the only way this team is going to win is if the offense goes insane and they start just hitting. You know what they need to, to do. do with him. Do you remember they hit like 400 with runners in scoring position on that 13-game win streak? Yeah. If they hit 400 with runners in scoring position the rest of the way through October, then yeah. then they, they've got a chance. And that has nothing to do with Aaron Boone at all. All right. That's going to do it. Another miserable weekend. We will be back at you at some point this week. The final stretch. Let's see what else can happen with this baseball team. We'll talk to you in a couple days. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.